So I think it's time for us to start this episode with some more advice. Remember some reading how, material. Mm, well, I think like some literature. We've done a lot of we've done a lot of advice to the Labour Party recently and how mm. they should be responding to the Tories in Parliament. And yeah. um, you by know, going out with Julia Fox. Well, we. Well, I think the most salient piece of advice that we gave them was you should just like um, throw caution to the wind and just start slandering your opponent yes. uh, wildly. Yes. Bring from the, the nonce detector into the House of Parliament. Well, I've built a new nonce detector, it, and it, it goes beep, 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 beep in your vicinity. <laughs> and here's the thing. It's uh, you gotta hand it to them. Uh, they clearly listened to Rachel us. Rachel Reeves off the top rope with a confusing <laughs> joke nobody really laughed at, but which did call mm. Rishi Sunak a pedophile. <laughs> it was perfect. She called him Ted Heath with an Instagram account. <laughs> so like, because of his yeah, fiscal like, oh, Heath influence, yeah, because of his fiscal irresponsibility, as opposed to because of his predilection for young boys. It's like that's like saying, ah, you've got the music taste of Jimmy Savile. The main <laughs> yeah, thing about him, yeah, but he really likes Shawadi yeah, Wadi, yeah. and in that respect, he's a lot like Jimmy Savile. It would be really, it would be really funny to accidentally call Rishi Sunak a pedophile, nope, and then they just for, did that already, and then for years down the line, for the, then to be proved right, like a complete, like <laughs> unintentional slam dunk. If there's a historical commission of inquiry into this, finds out that Rachel Reeves was touching the lathe at the time yeah. when she made that joke. Yeah. Legally, we are not saying there is any weight to such a claim. <laughs> we are merely saying it would be funny if that were the case. <laughs> That was way too clear for the disclaimer voice. Legally, terms and conditions apply. Your mileage may vary. That's right. Your your mileage may vary. A legal term and legal documents. No, that's I think, right. So here's now that they've taken that bit of advice, yes, legal advice about buying a car. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, look, now that they've taken that mile of that that piece of advice, um, I I think it's time we give them another piece of advice, hmm. which is that they could start reading stuff. Like you know how. Uh, uh, fucking Gravel read the Pentagon Papers into the record, right? Yes. They need to start reading stuff into the record, but they like fun stuff. need to connect with the electorate by reading some literature. Yeah, just, just settling down, being like, it's a book episode. Uh, it's Keir's Call Me Book Club, and what we have for you, R Riley. What, what have you? What have you? What have you turned up here? What have you discovered? So, look, I I've discovered a couple of pieces of literature. In fact, um, one that was sent in to us by a fan. Um, which I'm going to read about later. Uh, but uh, another one that sort of comes off the back of... A room joke if, earlier. Yes. Well, if you, the listener, were in the room with uh, with us, me, uh, Milo, and Alice... That's what you'd be struck by, our musk. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah I can mine. see him standing up there. Yeah. Oh, you still got a musk. Not like a bad musk. Well, thank you, Milo. Yeah, it's a not, I don't musk. know. A musk is not like erotic. a bad smell. A musk is like a, you know, like a pleasant... I can smell you know, like musk <laughs> hey, don't, don't, don't spoil yeah. the story. Don't excavating the lead. <laughs> We're trying to bury it. Um, so uh, our new advice to the Labour Party is that Keir Starmer should get up into the dispatch box and read the entire selection of um, the of a, a piece of fan fiction 
uh, called You Wanna Bathe With Bathe With Soap, in parentheses revised, under the Call of Duty erotic fanfiction section of fanfiction.net. What did they, I wonder what they either added or excised from this for it to count as a revised <laughs> version. Was that like a too hot for TV version of You Wanna Bathe With Soap? Can we get like a way back machine? I have very sensitive nipples. <laughs> <laughs> When images started to flood his mind, Price shook his head and breathed to keep the feeling under control. Realizing he hadn't used any kind of hygienic product so far in his bath, he reached out for a bar of soap. Okay. Um, soap? Price glanced over his shoulder. The younger captain hummed inquiringly. <laughs> hummed inquiringly? <laughs> wait, wait, have they, have they, have they, have they promoted? Yeah, they McDavish? did. They did in one of the like more oh. recent ones. They're both captains now because captain is the coolest oh, rank you can be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Captain Price weirdly has never been promoted in like twenty five years. This but. is from twenty fourteen, so I think maybe they reached back for this. Mm. Um, yeah, well, as as Captain Price yeah. is about to do. Soap, perhaps reluctantly, looked over his shoulder, his face sporting a smirk of irritated amusement. Milo, can you sport a smirk of irritated amusement for me? <laughs> <laughs> so hot. Perfect. <laughs> Great yeah. for this audio Absolutely. medium. Yeah. Wait a minute. Uh, hang on. <laughs> Wait a tick. I'm dead serious. <laughs> Wait Price a dingle. Allowed, <laughs> Price allowed his breast smirk to fully show on his face. Who's in charge of the supplies around here? Wait a second, Riley, this is tactical so gay sex. Riley, Riley, Riley! I'm, I'm in. You this. joined the Canadian <laughs> Army. You're in the. You're in the bath. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the ta- tactical bathing corps. The Canadian Army. Yeah. W O one of bathing yeah. services. It's Riley. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, why he has no mask. <laughs> also, I noticed that Hussein has picked this moment to join the call. We're talking. We're talking about being gay in Call oh, okay. of Duty. Well, look, there's been a lot of discourse about being. Mm. There's been a lot of discourse about being call gay recently. Terrell Starr's been talking about like being gay for loving a woman. Oh, there was a tweet me. going around recently, which was which was like, mm. if you have too much gay sex, so, so I identify as queer now. <laughs> um, there was another tweet that was going around <laughs> recently about how if you have like lots of sex with your wife, um, then you uh, then you'll actually like get estrogen. Or something. So basically, like, yeah, that's true. That is true. It's 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 called that's right. So having sex with your wife will make you a trans person. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's there's right. been a lot of stuff about like being gay recently. I don't know. <laughs> I wanted to ask actually. What's so? Wait, why is why do you go to a war zone to like do some kind of confused my, attempt yeah. at reporting to then be like? It's a very sensual moment of self discovery. Like, do, do, do you think he just, like, oh, saw- So bad to suck off a guy in the Azov Battalion. <laughs> I'm not proud of what I did, but that's Black Ops. Absailing <laughs> onto the dick and balls. <laughs> yeah, just, uh, just uh, you know what, I, I've had to go and- <laughs> We're going dark, and then just, like, put your dick in his mouth. I think, I think when you're in a war zone, especially if you're, like, a war reporter- who are in something like this? You spend a lot of your time just like waiting around, so I With guess you have a lot of time to as tweet. Well. Mm. Yeah, so it's kind of like this is you know he's in a war zone, he's not really doing that much, um, and he's got a lot of time to think, and he's thinking to himself, "Wow, um, I am attracted to women, but mm. I think I might be gay." I yeah, I mean, I would say that mm. love can bloom even on the battlefields, and the, yeah. the purest example <laughs> of this is Terrell Just Star Siegfried Sassoon. D- DMing a trans woman and then being like, "This makes me gay." <laughs> Yeah, oh, maybe right. he just like he saw he just saw like a like a ten out of ten stack trans baddie like effortlessly load and discharge a book anti aircraft system. 
I think that's probably what happened. And he was like, well... Yeah, firing a book up, like... Mm. <laughs> Dude, hey, why don't you read something <laughs> the for ultimate. a change instead of bombing? <laughs> Never the should have drafted weapon. the librarians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Alice, how do you... It's, I Fi- thought it was... Firing the missing piece, a Russian pilot. <laughs> it was like, now I am too sad to bomb. <laughs> Yet also uplifted. <laughs> I will rethink my life. <laughs> I want to become self-help author. What is this perks of being wallflower? <laughs> what is wallflower? I, I, I read this million little pieces. Oprah says it all happened. <laughs> James Frey, inspiring man. His true story has inspired me to stop bombing. Little women, but all women are small. <laughs> what is the point of this book? Yeah, perfect. All right, all right, all right. Word of Nicholas Nickleby. He's <laughs> <laughs> an arms dealer. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Well, we're we're all here now. All 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 four of us are here. I, I was thinking of like the uh the like we're going dark and then like the um the night vision goggles powering up wine, but it's just like a vibrating butt plug. Uh, perfect. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna come. <laughs> uh welcome welcome to Call of Duty 4 fancast with Captain Price, and Captain Price, Riley and Hussein. Um, yeah. No, I, I want to talk a little bit about a couple of a couple of items that have happened. Uh, and other I have a startup about for again. Us. It's, bit, uh, it's, uh, it's Call of Duty Four. Uh, yeah. Why not? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's a new intro bit that we're doing where we're the Call of Duty Four podcast now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and it's pretty right. much the same as the IR podcast. Uh-huh, yeah. Absolutely, but, but much more about like. I guess that would be pretty much the same, really, just the different. Yeah, aesthetics. All, all all of our theses are still called like climb the mountain of conflict, but we have our gamer tags in them. Yeah, that's right. Uh, oh, uh, sw- uh, swimming against the current in the preapt. Um, <laughs> so, though, I, this the few things have happened. Right, the spring statement has come out, um, and essentially, what happened is uh, in a time of you might say uh, extraordinary, perhaps even uh, once in a generation. Uh, pressures on uh, incomes, costs, etc. Um, a conservative government with enough of a majority in the political capital to kind of do whatever it wants has in fact done uh, th- whatever it wants, which is whatever conservative governments do when they give a budget, uh, which is to give a ta- uh, which is basically to put a give a giveaway to pensioners, mm-hmm. um, to fuck over graduates, yeah, uh, and then to nothing on benefits. Yeah, nothing on benefits, and then give like a couple of crumbs back to councils who've had the entire bakery taken away from them. It's it, it's who oh boy have your energy bills just doubled? Have I got good news for you? You're going to get a trivial tax cut in two years. So <laughs> yeah. g- g- enjoy. <laughs> yeah, enjoy that then. Yeah, yeah. You, know what? you, you oh. might you might get the privilege of paying as much as you're paying now for petrol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh. Cool. Uh, and right. So. He said, right, he actually said, we could only afford to provide this extra support because of our stronger economy and the tough yeah, but and, responsible... Go ahead. And, and then Rachel Reeves just, like, got on the dispatch box and was, like, nonce much. Yeah. He said, we can only afford to provide this extra support because of our stronger economy and the tough but responsible decisions we've taken to build our fiscal resilience. That's like, that's not true. That's- we based a story. <laughs> Rishi, Rishi Sunak's been like out in the like fucking uh, rocky, like running through the snow and like benching a big log that says interest rates on it. <laughs> He's been training for this. Yeah. Uh, this, but it's like, that's also not true. Like we could do this forever Wait, because we've faced like very low borrowing costs. And also just, I want to do one, a wonk, wonk corner for one moment, right? Mm, wonk corner. Okay. Wonk corner for one moment. Wonk corner. 
Check your corners. I'm in one of them wanking. Well, wanking, my little, please. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> wanking. wonking is when you're wanking over policy ideas. Well, uh, time everybody really. get get ready to, to bust over this policy because uh. Uh, it's uh, going to be horrible. Because it's busted. Uh, which is essentially that, that because... Busted, Jerry. Because yeah, the, the cut, busted. Because the, the tax cut is so below the rate of inflation, but that means everything we're paying for now was budgeted for in last year's pounds. Which means that all spending in real terms is actually lower, right? Because it's the same number right, of right, pounds, right, yeah. just worth less. Um, but also it means that even though he's saying, oh, there's going to be some trivial trivial cut to the basic rate of tax, like 1p on, the tw- on, on a pound uh, for the 20p rate. But the fact is the inflation is still driving people into higher rates of tax. And so people are going to end up paying much more. Yeah, this is amazing. It, it exists Incredible only stuff. as a historical document the same day it was written. Yeah, 100%. I, I, I don't like making too many predictions on here for reasons that I think we've gone into before. But I, I have, like, given, given that, like, just try to cast your mind back to what the, what the spring statement was saying before, like, with the last statement before, like, the uh, COVID furlough scheme was announced, right? Yeah. Because the thing about the, this is, goes back to the Tories where they love, they love power, they love to be in power, they're great at getting it, great at keeping it, especially because, like, you know, they're sort of wired into the system of power very directly in this country. But they hate uh, governing. They hate to govern. They despise to govern. And as and we've what- seen, they love to do the like minimum necessary amount of governing, which is when it gets a bit dramatic and they have have to do something. Um, like when, for instance, Martin Lewis, the money-saving expert, our unelected uh, money czar, just comes on <laughs> TV and says, yeah, we're just going to, probably there's going to be riots. Uh, I, I, lo- I love Martin Lewis because he's one of those, like, it, it's an incredibly rare thing where he's kind of like a wholesome British public figure who yeah. just, like, is an expert on one particular thing and just seems to genuinely care about helping people save money. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> like, regrettable that he has to exist. He's, he's, he's sort of like yeah. international Red Cross kind of humanitarian guy. There was, yeah. a, there was a very good, like, there was a good article about him. Well, because, like, there was some polling coming out, but he was like, he's basically the, like, the most trusted man in Britain, which I think kind of like says a lot about, you know, uh, people's faith in institutions and governments and all mm. that stuff. But, like, I think his existence is very interesting because it's not like, I don't doubt, like, his intentions. Like, I'm very sure he wants to help people and, like, he wants to do everything. But he also sort of represents a particular kind of, and I, you know, m- maybe there's like a better way of describing it, but he kind of represents this uh, very kind of like British character that is like this mixture of, like, you know, keep calm and carry on or, like, you know, um, you've just got to show some resilience, blitz, yeah, spirit, money saving, all that type that of stuff. Whole thing. Although, although credit to him for actually saying, "Yeah, I just can't do this anymore. You cannot save enough money to offset this." So, so for a long time, like he was actually one of those guys, which was just like, "Yeah, you know, things are like great," and like because he wants to sort of appear to be at least like politically neutral, he's not kind of you know none of his stuff is really about policy. When he goes on TV, it's very much like, "Yeah, you know, um, if you make make enough sacrifices, you can afford to buy a house, or you can afford to buy a car." Or you can afford to kind of like have a decent standard of living and like you know his newsletter is like filled with like all these kind of like hacks to do this like stuff it takes a lot of time and like investment to do and yeah, you have yeah, to yeah. And, it, and 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 i don't know i don't know if any of you guys have ever read his newsletter but there's like a lot of the kind of advice that he gives is very much like stay on the phone when you call up customer service stay on the phone for however long it takes because what they're banking on you to do is to like be so frustrated that oh, you'll like give up takes. so <laughs> so 
if you like annoy the kind of customer service person more, then you can kind of get these deals. So it's very funny now where it's like, yeah, like there is no amount of annoying that you can be to like get your, to get a basic sound of heat. you become the right. Riddler. Yeah, you, you have to, yeah, you have to become the Riddler. <laughs> yeah, we just, we just sort of radicalized, or rather the circumstances have radicalized this nice sort of money saving guy called Martin, who is like, I'd say he's the he's the he's the avuncular version of the put on a sweater. Uh, those are yeah, Twitter replies to yeah. Mike Graham. Uh, well, I think the crucial difference with Martin Lewis is that he isn't like he doesn't like patronize people. He's just like kind of like he's like a Whiggish guy who's like a oh, there's always a solution. He's like mm, trying yeah. to find what that's it. But he's not like a oh, people should just stop complaining and put on a jumper. He's not like that. But but so I, I want to go on though, right? So what? We, yes, the, this budget has in fact radicalized uh, Britain's money-saving expert because he's like, there is there is no one you can annoy. There is no amount of turning off the heat. And Martin <laughs> Lewis wept for there was no more money to save. <laughs> yeah. but, it's, 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 but that's why we sort of refer to this being something of a historical document because I think if we learned one thing from the experience of COVID... And about, we didn't. <laughs> no, absolutely well, not. If one was in theory to learn one thing from the experience of COVID, it would be that... Um, uh, the, that the British state, when it sort of has to act to absorb, to be a shock absorber between the global economy and the people who live here, right? It tends to not want to do that. But at some point, there is a tipping point where it will have to, or the like, the social cohesion that the rest of it all depends on kind of falls apart. Yeah, the British government will step in and, who oh boy, will it do the absolute bare minimum, if not slightly less. And as we've seen, it gets harder every time. It's like you kick the can down the road, but each time you kick the can down the road, a guy comes and fills it with a bit of cement. It's important to remember, right, that when we talk about uh, the, we were talking about something like the furlough scheme, right? This goes back to what I was saying, not last episode, but the last time I was on one of these types of segments was think, a week and a half ago, which is that the furlough scheme was happened because it was an idea that was lying around. And it was it was sort of mainly like John McDonnell and the unions that sort of made that happen because they have no ideas because they're not there to have ideas. They're there to sit in power and pull the big um, the big smaller state lever. Uh, and then pull the big, bigger military lever. Now that they're pulling that yeah, one. That's all. That's uh, next to the racism button, which yeah. is underneath the stop Brexit button, uh, which is just beside the big geopolitics switch that we don't yeah. actually control. It's just a light. You tend to back into that with your ass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but what, what I'm saying is is that uh, is that they are go- at some point just like. Just like this, the statement from before the furlough is a historical document because it shows what we were intending to do before circumstances forced them to do something else. Once again, I think this is going to be another historical document because, the, because there is a very real chance that circumstances are just going to force them to do something yeah, else. A, They're going to reach for whatever lesson. idea. Well, it's, it's, also, it's also just like, and you know, when I was kind of, I, I was trying not to kind of pay too much attention on Wednesday because like, it's just kind of a very infuriating thing to watch. And like, I don't need to kind of give myself more psychic damage than like I already do being on this show. Hmm. Um, but uh, what's very in, what was very interesting to me is also just like the fact that they're still sort of justifying the years of austerity um, that you know preceded that preceded all of this, right? In the 2010s, so the whole idea that oh, you know, the, the conservatives have like made this stronger economy as a foundation, which means that like all these actions are not only rational and justified, but like everything else was justified beforehand. And also like bearing in mind that in in the same in this is where like British media stuff comes in as well. 
Um, and in the same way that like you kind of consider things like, you know, Trojan horse or like other types of kind of, you know, uh, these sorts of situations where media and government are very sort of like tightly aligned on ideological narratives, everyone invested in kind of promoting austerity and promoting austerity politics doesn't really want to acknowledge or accept that they have like a huge responsibility or like, a, you know, that they are kind of hugely to blame for the situation that like we're in. And like, that's not just on kind of like a day-to-day policy level. It's also this idea that like, you know, the, the idea that, like raising prices or like this kind of level of inflation or not kind of supporting uh, people on benefits or like supporting working people who require like, you know, stuff like heat, for example, or like petrol to get to like Pussies. work and everything. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Pussies, uh, guys who have sex with their wives. Um, uh, when I were a lad, we simply froze <laughs> to death. That's right. Well, yeah, like they don't want to like, they don't want to take responsibility for like creating this situation. Um, and it's also like one reason why so many of these price hikes have kind of been met with like, a, you know, it's been met with anger, but a kind of like directionless anger right? It's kind mm. of like, well, no one really knows what to do. And it seems to sort of be that the government is banking on like people just kind of accepting like things, like regardless of how bad they are, because Which like no one really knows what else to do. With British people, to mm. be honest. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing, right? That All that stuff may be bad, but look at it from the Chancellor's perspective, right? If we hadn't have had years of crippling austerity, can you imagine how unresilient the British public would be? Mm. They'd be entirely unprepared for I mean, this state for of example, in, in order to respond to the various uh, sort of interlocking, overlapping uh, crises that threaten global stability today, we would have wasted all of this money having stuff like resilient public services. Yeah, or like a resilient energy production well, system. We would have, for example, had extra been storing extra gas and paying for it, might yeah. I add. Uh, it, madness or or building nuclear power station or lots of wind palms or, so, or solar capacity. Because what's really bad about green energy is that it's free. And once you build the thing, then the electricity is pretty much free. And so obviously what we need to do is put off building it for as long as possible because we don't want to start getting that free electricity until we really have to. I'll tell you, well, because number one, then you won't appreciate it. And number two, uh, every time I turn on the light, I say thank you. Uh, I say thank you with my wallet. <laughs> thank no. you, dead pleasing uh, So, I, I, but he thank actually, been which is very funny. Like, this is another place that sort of Europe and, um, and the UK are diverging. Where we're fighting the um, we're fighting the energy crisis by uh, I, I get a a marginal cut to fuel duty. Yeah, baby, let's go! Come on! If if it's cold in your house, just get in your car and turn the heating up there. Yeah. It, it, look, the, and of course, the fuel duty uh, is what again the way that this is all set up. This is like a lot of the money that goes towards subsidizing, for example, the construction of green energy sources. Huh. Curious. So. Yeah, in order to in order to spite this face that we don't like of ours, we're cutting off our nose. Have you considered instead of renting a house, uh, living inside your car? Mm, ah. I have. Now, but here's the other thing, right? It's, you say uh, you to, hate to landlords, some, and yeah. <laughs> to sum this to sum this all up, really, I think you can understand it as a kind of like that Rishi Sunak represents a kind of like a real zombified version of the conservative social movement. Well, the fun where- thing is that like, he's also managed to totally implode personally under the slightest bit of scrutiny. 
Yeah. Um, oh, oh well, this, we yeah. have several breads. We have several breads in the house. Yeah. Perfect. Well, and then like the whole like Infosys and his like wife thing. And like, this is also like another really clear example of like, it's very, you know, we, you know, the whole kind of, um, because like before, before the, uh, before the statement, um, friend of the show, Laura Koonsberg, like posted about how yes. Rishi Sunak was eating pizza. And then Rachel Reeves was like cheese pizza much, bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and it's kind of just like it's always it's it's unsurprising but it's always nice to sort of remember that like even the slightest bit of pushback can kind of really kind of get these like get these guys to like fuck up. It's like so, when all the like low and medium level Yeah, it's like when all the like low and medium level Trump officials quit because they got yelled at in a restaurant once. Uh, mm. It's the exact thing. All of these people are exactly as they should never have been there as you would expect. Yeah, well, yeah. It's just getting getting filmed, just being asked to pay for something, and realizing that you've never used contactless. Oh, the fucking before. video of him not knowing how to use contactless payment—that's that's the thing that's gonna fucking kill me. I don't even understand this. It's like it's not like that. They ask him these questions like, "How much does bread cost?" or whatever, as though that's like an own on rich people. It's like, well, rich people still eat bread. What is he exposing them as is a weirdo. Yeah, it's a like, weirdo who like, like uses like. like, like Quintessentially, or some of the concierge. Like, yeah. why, why can you not use a debit card? Like but, but, what? Like that's where your money is. Surely no, no. rich people he's, use that a this lot. This is this is my, that my theory is that he's like a he's a, in a Dave situation. Oh, okay. He's like he's like being piloted by a group. He's, like, he's being piloted by a group of small aliens, sort of like a Warhammer 40k Titan. Yeah. Uh, so he's and- a, yeah. So he's so he's actually a Jaeger. Thanks for letting us know that. Um, no, like <laughs> yeah, what yeah. I was going to say was like Rishi Sunak has also sort of presented himself as being like the least weird of the weirdos, right? And mm. number one, this is like is very clear and that he's the tallest of the short. <laughs> That's right. Well, well, also in that in that video where he uses the contactless card, he like buys this kind of like little can of Coke, and I'm pretty sure that like the reason why he had to buy the little can was because he's still trying to deceive people into thinking that like he's taller than he actually is. Um, <laughs> that's like that's that's my kind of tin hack and the tin hack comes in cans now, huh? Uh, yeah, he's like he is he's definitely as weird as everyone else, but crucially, like I think his and it's still very much for long game. Like he sort of knows. Knows that he wants to sort of be Tory leader. He knows that he has to kind of like placate certain people in order to do that. So like it makes sense yeah. why he would sort of take these ideological like positions. God of hell. Um, <laughs> whether, whether, yeah, whether, whether that like pays off, I don't know, is a different question. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, I don't know, I'm exhausted by the whole idea of like, yeah, the voters will not forget this in 2024. Oh, um, they absolutely will. But it's very funny to watch him flounder everything. away trying mm. to do a normal thing. I don't that know. I really ti- enjoy. It's just tiring. I don't, I don't yeah. like, it's exhausting. No, I, I look. I, I just, I think that, like, I, I just like looking. Anytime a conservative politician is asked to try to be normal, they are because every time a, a sort of centrist labor politician is asked to be normal, they just do like the Pete Buttigieg, you know, um, social justice Laura Ipsum thing. Anytime a conservative politician is asked to be normal, they're all weird in a different way. Uh, like, oh, I'm gonna buy a smack bomb pay wet. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, like, like, I only like, have a fifty. <laughs> I, I still favor him over Liz Truss in, in terms of like who who will win the race to like stand on Boris's bloated corpse. I think Rishi will probably come out ahead of, of Liz Truss. However, uh, it's going to be, I thought he would be more boring than this. And I'm so, so pleased to find out that he is also a We, we could freak. see him open up a port market. Yeah, he's, um, he's just, he's a, he is an absolutely, yeah. just a nasty little freak. <laughs> the trouble very with, funny. The, uh, with the Tories is they, they, 
they have bad military doctrine and when they're when they find themselves in a being normal situation what happens is their normal standing training kicks in and they take one of those weird power stances but unfortunately it's just not a correct stance for a modern combat situation but uh, before we sort of go on to the startup which i've got i just want to point out that the uh the people who've managed to avoid the uh various uh, deprecations of this uh, budget without themselves being pensioners or landlords are, of course, unionized tube workers whose pay rise is going to be in line with inflation because they it are in a union. It gets the goods. It yeah. gets the goods. That's right. I'm so, uh, so mad. Yeah, like, I loved like the kind of mad replies when like the kind of tweet that came out, and they were just like, "They should be replaced by computers." Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, very funny. Right. It's just like uh, it's just so. like a very good reminder of like the British thing of like yeah, we're not nothing's allowed to be better. But also, I'm incredibly mad that like people aren't having it as like um, having it as bad as I am. <laughs> this reminds me of when I was like um, from my primary school. We had like a taste a day at a senior school that was like a really bad like comprehensive school in in my town in Essex that ended up getting closed down shortly after this. And my and my mum came to the senior school to pick me up, and she like had a look around while she was there, and she went and. She went into the school library and there were no books in it. And she went and asked the like the person who was like supervising the library, like, why are there not why are there not any books in here? And he just went, It's all on computers now, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> why has right. there ever been a more Britain why, fucking why, energy? Why, all of the books have been fired at Russian jets. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, uh, we've, got so, to, we've got to make those Russian pilots feel something. So, 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 so. I have a startup. It's called O W O or Owo. Owo. Owo's have come for us. Yeah, uh, Owo. It's nothing to do with Owaya. Owo. I don't want to be a Russian pilot anymore. <laughs> it's, it, it's the machine that kills hotels. Hotels. It's the machine that kills manga kisas, which are like the hotels in Japan for like Hikikomori. Like ah. I, I don't know, I don't know if you know about this, but basically, like yeah, go to the Jap- special in, nerd in, hotel in in Japan. They have like a hikikomori like house like housebound like problem, right? So in order to kind of transition them back into like real life, they have these thing called the manga kisa, where they're like, yeah, instead of like hanging out in your room, why don't you go hang out in this weird manga like cafe? Uh, so when are you moving? Uh, so I'm going to be going next year when my wife divorces me because I'm posting too much. Um, you should go on your honeymoon to the Hikikomori that's right, yeah, Hotel. That's correct. That's correct. Um, yeah. So Memento oh, oh, yeah. Hikikomori yes. is that anything? Yeah. So no, uh, it's Owo, oh, and then the next tagline: "The future is in your closet, waiting to be blanked. <laughs> oh, becoming transgender." Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's the startup that makes you gay. Yeah, um, it's <laughs> sensations beyond imagination. Go, first of all, you go to Kiev. Oh, you get then. some sensations beyond imagination. Let me tell you. Yeah, the future is in your closet, waiting to be blank. Sensations beyond imagination, and no limits on your feeling. It's no, it's the closet no. that jacks no, you up. No, 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 no. <laughs> you you fucking rent your clothes. I don't know. It is a clo- It's an article of clothing. Okay. You, See, rent, you rent is in your, your chastity cage. I don't know. The future is in your closet waiting to be worn. Sensations beyond imagination. No limits to your you feelings. You rent oh, it... your butt plug. No, there's no uh, renting. It's, it's boxer shorts that like heat up your dick and balls. Um, oh, that was the it's closest a fashion, so far. It's, it's a fashion brand um, that uh, tries to regulate your mental health somehow. Uh, it doesn't try to regulate your mental health. They, I'll tell you this. You, the mental health thing that links into the gaming thing we talked about last time I was on. It is another gaming thing because right. everyone wants to like get in on metaverse oh my technology. God, it's like, so it's like Fortnite skins, but if they were actually clothes. 
Again, sort of close because it does interact with Fortnite. And Milo's thing about a boxer shorts that warms up your dick and balls was kind of in the same premise ballpark. <laughs> Perfect. Um, They're gaming an, pants? Uh, it, it is gaming. It's a gaming shirt that you can wear. Oh, fuck. Does it like vibrate and shock you with the game? That's like, right. Yes. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Add a new so sense. If, you're, if add- you're playing one of those Newgrounds porn games, it does suck you <laughs> on. Yeah, what? <laughs> you can get sucked off by Captain Price. It's like you're in the game. <laughs> this idea was kind of like floated in, um, and I hate, I'm sorry if I have to say this, but in Black Mirror, in the last series of Black Mirror, where you, like, say one, one, of, one of the few good episodes where like the kind of premise was that they were playing like this video game, uh, this fighting video game where you could sort of feel the sensations and the two guys who are playing realize that they actually just want to have sex with each other. Mm. Um, and they spend the whole episode having sex with each other in the game mm. uh, and feeling it in real life. So. Add a new sense to your game. Make the, the game thing, more immersive. A, Black Mirror is a, a dystopian horror show about how going on the computer can make you gay. That's right. Make, That's right. Make, make the game more immersive by adding a whole new technology. Play, feel, and enjoy. It sounds like an ad for a condom uh, or yeah, a your gaming condom. But a bunch of guys on Xbox Live calling each other gay and then being like, well, you're so gay, you'd probably like to kiss me. I bet you'd like to kiss me. Well, maybe we should. <laughs> How would you like that, you little gay? Oh, yeah, come here. <laughs> Before, we had to rely on vision and hearing to create experiences. You just meet a couple and you're like, so how did you two meet? Well, <laughs> um, now we're both in Call of Duty. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, however, OWO has created a system that allows that, that allows us to use a new sense which would only exist in the physical dimension touch feel feel um feel uh, your wind on your skin the wind on your skin the wind on your skin i would love to day. feel the wind on my skin <laughs> over 30 different sensations that will make you live the game yeah, yeah like a uh, uh, grope uh, lick smack all of these Blood-curdling fear. Feel the wind, a gunshot, someone grabbing your arm, or even a hug from a loved one. Wait, 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 I don't want to feel a gunshot, can I? (laughs) (laughs) No, you must feel the gunshot. This is just like a really horrifying shirt where you feel everything in the game. Well, it's compatible. It's so it's like a big, it's a t-shirt you wear that has, it's not just like vibrating pads, it uses lots of uh, some technology. Um, I realize this is perhaps yeah. a naive question for a gaming thing, but uh, given that it has a shitload of electronics in it, how do you clean it? Um, uh, I'm sure there's like a wipe. It just develops uh, its own patina over time. Like, it's, like a, it's like a, a bronze watch or a cast iron skillet. Or a yeah. wok, yeah, sure. So it's it's compatible with VR, obviously, uh-huh. but also a console, a PC, mobile, or a tablet. And being a virgin. So you can play like Clash of Clans on like the train and go, oh, I've been stabbed. Oh, when, when my, it says my the wife phone, is conspiring with my uncle. <laughs> when it says the I phone, so I choose sad. I choose to interpret that not just as mobile games, but also as like the things that your phone already does. So I like have yeah, to zip up with hinge. I, I have to I have to put on my fucking stupid sensation shirt so when I call Riley about the show notes, I can feel him like patting me on the shoulder, reassuring me what a good job I'm doing. Or shooting me as you yeah, discuss the yeah, stuff. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Uh, sensations and micro sensation. 
A micro sensation is the base, the smallest unit that you can calibrate. Micro sensation is feeling racism on the skin. <laughs> sensation is composed of one or more micro sensations. So a gunshot is composed of three micro sensations. I'm always saying tree this. And tree so wound, a, bleeding, and exit <laughs> Is bleeding a sensation per se? I guess so. <laughs> With our algorithm of sensations, we can create any different feeling. So I have the list of the sensations that they can do here. So, uh, shall I start with impact, interaction, or experience? Uh, give me the impact. impact. Yeah. We're okay. on to some impact play here. Okay. Ball is the first one. Uh, ball, that, that's that's being hit ball by a ball. Torture. Yeah. Ball, <laughs> axe, punch, dart. Oh, yeah, dart. Classic. Ins- like when I'm having a fight with Phil the Power Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> Insect bite, dagger, shot, light abdominal wound. Just dagger. <laughs> I am Dominal Wing Classic. I love to be on Dartboard Simulator 2022. Yeah, simulating what it's like to be a dartboard. Yeah, that's right. Shot with exit wound or severe abdominal wound. I, I love to simulate mm, that. Yeah. Um, I, I have another one. It's very funny. Uh, interaction. Grip. Gun recoil. Uh-huh. Covered in insect so it can give oh, you... Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't so like it, that it, at all. It can give you, like, uh, more gelins. It's the shirt that gives you more gelins. Um, pushing a light oh, object or a heavy object. And then here's some experience. Uh, free fall or wind. Fast driving. Idle. Stress. Or my favorite one, strange. Strange sensation. Strange sensation. I love a strange sensation. Yeah. So there, if you scroll down, there's just a picture of a woman wearing the shirt. Yeah, she looks like she's going to chun. And it says, <laughs> it says on, on three steps. Bullet entry, bleeding, and bullet exit. <laughs> this is something we want to simulate. Um, so here's how it works. Dur- this is from an interview. During calibration via an app and with several demos afterwards, we felt sensations that go beyond the expected gunshots, punches, or someone suddenly touching you in a horror game. These included the recoil of a weapon, how the air feels when you skydive, the feeling of being healed, a biting swarm of insects, uh, or getting stabbed in the belly with a dagger. I don't want to replicate these things. I want to play video games to have a nice time. Getting suddenly touched out of nowhere. Wait, this isn't Ted Heath's house. <laughs> I like. Yeah. I love the idea that you get like shooting pains down your arm and neck, and you're like, you you attribute that to the gaming shirt, and you just die of an undiagnosed heart attack. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the funny thing is, so it's already been implemented. If you die in the gaming shirt, you die in real life. <laughs> this thing's incredible. It's even able to simulate one half of my face going numb and drooping. Yeah, yeah. simulating the smell of toast. Incredible. <laughs> I can't believe it's now simulating this Shawinigan handshake. <laughs> getting sucked off by the Prime Minister of Canada. Uh, so, so basically, they have a thing that they can implement into a game's library, uh, which is like, um, which, so it can either be implemented into the library of games like Fortnite or Valorant or whatever. So yeah, like when some eight-year-old airholes you with a sniper rifle, or more likely a bot now with those games, uh, mm. then you know you could really feel what it's like to be shot. Um, and this yeah, is. But I, I don't have any faith. Like, okay, call me naive, right? I've never been shot in real life. I hope to go my whole life without ever being shot in real life. I'm not sure that the technology exists to replicate that it may feeling. Be quite inconvenient. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure that we can replicate that feeling with a t shirt. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I don't no. know. I, yeah. I think uh, probably you are right. Uh, this is a t shirt with a gun inside I, it. I think, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unless the t shirt has a gun you. inside of it. <laughs> Different kinds of gun, multiple daggers as well. They're launched with various, like, you can only wear it once, but it's very realistic. Um, I, I think that um, 
it's an example of some of we, we talked about this before, right? This idea of that a lot of the startups that we talk about sometimes can be technology process and technology as a process of just more and faster. And so what we get out of games is either, well, what if we gave them an additional benefit or what if we made them more immersive? Because that's just more and faster. And so that's the the obvious sort of next step is, okay, I guess we might as well have it so you can be shot in them. Um, and, and this is from an, an Emi Tamaki, the chief executive of a Tokyo-based company doing something similar with a glove. Um, the said, power glove is back. <laughs> Fantastic. Feeling pain enabled us to turn the metaverse world into a real world with increased feelings of presence and immersion. So they are trying to... The, the effort, it seems, to continue to manufacture consent for the metaverse as um, sort of dead an idea as it is, uh, is continuing apace and has now reached the what if you could feel pain on the computer stage of development. Cool. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The computer mm-hmm. pain distracts me from my real life pain. It sure does. Boy, you know what's crazy about like this conversation now is how oh, yeah. we're having it, how yeah. close we're having it to the previous uh, segment of our yeah. show. Forty yeah. or so minutes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh-huh. I I definitely haven't left the country and come back since no. well, we recorded the rest of the episode. Uh, absolutely. No. And you, know what? I think- and you know, I remember everything I said on the rest of the episode. Oh, so, oh, it was such a good episode. I hope there'll be a oh, quiz wait, at the wait, end. Hang on. What, I mean, this is just what we do th- about what three quarters of the way through every episode is we have a, a review. Yeah, yeah. Of exactly. the last forty-five or so and minutes. Go, I think that was good, and I remember most of it. Uh-huh. I, I'm very excited for all the callbacks that Milo is going to do. Oh, there's going to be loads of those. Uh huh. Like, for example, the callback to the startup, which I'm sure you remember. Oh yeah, it was uh, pretty bad, as I recall. Yeah. The startup, mm. yeah, um, pretty I, silly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. do you actually remember what it was? Of course it, not. It, it, was the, it was the thing. <laughs> that I wouldn't about remember putting, what it was if this was a normal episode that we were actually recording at the time. Putting your dog on the blockchain. I don't know. It was. Uh, I think it was the 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 vest that makes you feel it when you get shot in the Wolf game. Three. Oh, yeah. Okay. oh yeah, that does ring a bell. Yeah. There it is. Uh, yeah, it rings a bell because we talked about it forty five minutes ago, and uh, you feel uh, a little bell ringing sensation. Yeah. yeah. And despite my yeah, I'm Pavlov's dog. Yeah. Despite my that also uh, is on the blockchain. See, you brought it all together. And then did, I'm sure yeah. we talked about some other fun stuff. Yeah, um, probably. Which I remember easily so much, I don't even need to say what it was. Yeah, great. Um, anyway, so I figure, just like any, cla- just a classic episode, you know, uh, from, from soup to nuts, from we toe to We planned tip, it this yeah. way. Very, yeah. very, it was, it was great of us to plan it, to do and this so, this way. And so I want to do Recording a th- I one mean, shot, as we normally do. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Not have, In- not have an interview with anybody. Uh, in, yeah, <laughs> because it, because if we had tried to do an interview with somebody, what would happen is they might they might cancel, yeah. and we might have to fill uh, thirty minutes. Nope, uh, that's, two weeks later. That's what we <laughs> Luckily, say. Luckily, we avoided this. Yeah, uh, by by planning this ahead of time. That's what we say. We start at minute one, end at minute sixty to seventy five ish. One shot. This. Yeah, no edits. 
all the we slurs are, We left are professionals. In. We do one take and a one take only. I just I like the idea that all of us just appear in this segment and now we're all wearing watches when we were before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, we're, we're on like, different wrists. You have like a pocket square that you weren't wearing before. Riley's yeah. wearing yeah. a hat. Riley's got a full beard. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Ah, well, anyway, well, what a 45 minutes it was. Uh, but no, I wanted to read uh, a little article uh, by Charles Moore. Uh, oh, that's perfect. The, clo- the closest thing to Mr. Burns to exist in real life. Uh, and he's written, The Queen's Platinum Jubilee is a time to reflect on the importance of gratitude. Earth's most liver-spotted man. I love to reflect on the importance of an abstract concept. It's one of my favorite things. Yeah, mm. of course. I mean, this is, this is a classic sort of uh, British ar- ty- article type, which is a general call for greater decency by appealing to the queen, the army, uh, yeah. our our brave boys, our brave businessmen. There's a kind of smattering of old man yells at cloud in there where it's kind mm. of like, what exactly is this about and who is it aimed at? I think, I think Charles Moore is sort of, in a sense of being an old man, he's very much the Hegelian synthesis of Abe Simpson and Mr. Burns. Mm. Um, so, 70 years ago on Sunday, King George VI died. His daughter owned, thus, thus became Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, she still is having she still is having reigned for fourteen a, a, more a years. At time of recording, at time of going, <laughs> which to press. was of course last week, which is of course last today. Week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. uh, having reigned for fourteen more years than the entire life of her father. Uh, asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. Uh, in what turned out to be his last, it has Christmas, not yet been killed by a speedball. <laughs> <laughs> well, asterisk, like, asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. Like Chris, <laughs> like, like Chris Farley. <laughs> Yeah, that no, was, yeah no, was that George yeah. the Sixth or George the yeah. Fifth that was killed by a speedball? It was, it was George the Fifth. They gave him a speedball oh, yeah. so that his death would make the evening edition of the papers. Yeah. No, they gave him uh, <laughs> they gave him uh, a sort of equal mix of coke and ket, which apparently is supposed to really set off a certain kind of like pulsating music. Yeah, he was yeah, trying yeah. to get into Bergheim. <laughs> and what turned out to be his last Christmas broadcast, his doctor weeks, pissed on him to put early, him out of his misery. Earlier, George spoke of <laughs> living in an age which is often hard and cruel, but he said he took comfort that among all the blessings we count today, the chief one is that we are a friendly people. Again, uh, saying saying that like I you know. d- listen, I I do not think that the British are inherently a friendly people. I think we have a lot of evidence that we've all found. To suggest otherwise, right? we may not be friendly, but we respect the bin man. Yeah, so I mean, listen, listen, we, we 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 are a friendly people. You're under a citizen's arrest. Put your hands on the car and get ready to die. That's correct. It's the sound is the sound of a friendly people. Where did you get that audio clip of me? <laughs> Probably the many hours of audio of you that have been recorded. Oh yeah, like, they have uh, Milo. Uh, Milo, you saying where'd you get that audio clip of me? There is a lot <laughs> a of audio second. of you speaking into a microphone. Wait a second, where'd wait, you get this? Wait, recording? are these things on? Uh, there is there is much to be said against hereditary forms of rule rights, Charles Moore. But we uh-huh. all know from our own families how important heredity is. Indeed, we now know. Indeed, if it wasn't for heredity, no one would have children. <laughs> <laughs> have so you st- ever considered that, my man? <laughs> if it wasn't for hereditary genes and such, like why we'd all be <laughs> pools of meat on the floor? <laughs> None of us would ever have emerged from the primordial <laughs> soup. We'd all have a big head full of water, <laughs> much like many members of the royal family, in fact. 
Indeed. See, this is the like Mr. Burns end of the spectrum of Charles Moore. Mm. Indeed, we now know this is this in much more scientific detail than we did 70 years ago because of the advance of genetics. In trying to understand ourselves, we must think of our parents. Perhaps the key to understanding the present queen is that she has thought about her parents deeply and especially in performing her duties of, as monarch. Perhaps the best thing to understanding the current queen is that she's alive at this moment. Uh, uh, she, is, she is full of vitality. Uh, she is uh, actually flown to Poland uh, and is going mm-hmm. to be given an AK. Yeah, uh, she is in fact too strong. Uh, various footmen have said they can't contain her. <laughs> that, that wisdom is in her blood, but has also been cultivated in her mind for a little short of a century. Now, here's the thing. This is this is just a standard, you know, um, uh, uh, royal royal uh, uh, puffery by by Mister Moore. Now, here's where it became. Here's where it becomes odd, right? Where he starts talking about how she's uh, enabled gratitude. Right? He says, although we say thank you scores of times a day, largely unthinking, gratitude is in fact a difficult emotion to sustain. Which, of course, we almost. Make make the emotional effort to sustain her gratitude. We must, to the queen. yeah, um, yeah. Mm. Uh, which oh, which all those colonials, by the way, you know, have, have just dis- basically having with Will and Kate going on their like, you know, mm. too crazy to get too crazy to die, get disrespected to her. Mm. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the people of Jamaica well. find it very difficult yeah. to feel gratitude to Queen Elizabeth II. Why is that, this? Why could this be? Those who have the most difficulty respecting our queen are, of course, the Ottoman Turk. Those <laughs> long lusted to decapitate our monarchy. I mean, they must be soft. Where am I? <laughs> Charles Moore, very concerned about the bombard. Yeah, that's uh, right. It can feel a burden, a limit on our autonomy, or a debt hanging over us which we cannot be bothered to repay. One great cynic, possibly Robert Walpole, our first prime minister, defined gratitude as a lively sense of favors to come. So, why is he talking about gratitude like this? What do you think he is trying to do, right? What oh. is he writing in support of? Uh, uh, platinum jubilee parties. We're gonna yeah. get the bunting out. Well, you're very close. We've got to have a gratitude conga for the queen. Again, you're all very close, but we're gonna have to bang pots and pans together for the queen. <sighs> I'm sorry. What he's actually advocating for is going to give you both and Hussein, by the way, who after arriving late has decided to just be silent for this last um, hour. Yeah, but he's still here. Bit. He's very much here. Mm-hmm. Don't yeah. worry about I'm that. Hussein. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, your look is hello enough He's for me. He's taking part in podcasting Ramadan, which began 45 <laughs> minutes yeah, through I, I, this. I, on the other hand, am not, because yeah. I'm a hypocrite and a yeah. sinner. Yeah, yeah, well, it's, so. because, it's because Hussein's Shia and you're Sunni. It's, yeah, that's <laughs> it right. It occurs at a right. different time. So, she, so basically, right, um, the... <laughs> So he says, real gratitude is not is the acknowledgement of what other people mean to us, often spelt most felt most strongly after they've died. I wish she oh, was still here. Are we gonna band together and get the queen a big card saying thank you for being our mum? <laughs> well, here's the thing, right? You know, we we talk about the British psyche as being a fundamentally uh, insect-like one in many respects, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, so basically, this is how Charles Moore is articulating uh, or supporting the articulation of a demand for an extra bank holiday, which is to be called a thank holiday. <laughs> Whoa. Damn. That make, makes you thank. I, I, I mean, I seem to remember a certain jam granddad proposing a shitload more bank holidays and being uh, raked over the coals for it. So but None of those were to thank the Queen, None of Alice. those were to thank the Queen, that's true. I, I, th- I, guess, I guess we've learned that the, um, we can have like a medieval number of feast days, 
if they yeah. all involve displaying I'm, a positive emotion to the queen. I'm developing mm. a, a thesis here, which is that we can build socialism in one country in the UK if we do it under the guise of sort of tactical monarchy. Um, well, yeah. Organising a huge illegal street rave in the UK, and then when the police turn up going like, no, no, no it's in honour of the queen, mate. And Hol- hold- like, holding oh, up p- the like... Sorry, sir, carry on. <laughs> hold- holding up the dead-ass body of the queen and being like, you know who I hate is landlords. Yeah. <laughs> so what it's you're... like guy DJing in like that big dead mouse head, but it's like the queen's head. <laughs> so what, we're, what, we're essentially, what essentially appears to be sort of happening here, right, is... Um, is, is this idea that you actually, just so long as you portrayed it as deeply, deeply cap-doffing and respectful to the uh, sort of much-beloved hierarchies of, of uh, the British establishment, you can kind of do whatever. Of course, you actually can't. I mean, um, but... Why but the, not? Yeah. Why can't I do my Monaco socialism? <laughs> um, it's a, a campaign announced and backed by a wide range of groups and prominent individuals wants the Sunday of these Jubilee days to be particularly dedicated to thanking the Queen and everyone who gives service to the country. Uh, the campaign also calls for, for yeah, for it, for it calls it a thank holiday, which could be a bank holiday too, to institutionalize such gratitude. We, we've done these, sh- these things before, because this was a favorite New Labour policy. It's why we introduced Armed Forces Day. And this shit does not work at all. It, it, it does nothing. Like, uh... I'm looking at this graph. Our gratitude levels haven't increased even slightly. No, no. Not to be too wonkish about this, but if we want to increase our gratitude levels, we're going to have to do something much more impressive. I think it's mm. time to bring back blood sacrifice. What, like a Mithridatic thing? Well, no, what I think, I think we should, uh, like, perhaps yeah, ceremonially, like, um, give up our lives on the mall in front of, like, uh, Buckingham Palace. I think okay. that would help. Like a, like a Shang Dynasty thing. Yeah, I yeah. Okay. I, I, I think perhaps when the queen dies, we should have like ten thousand columnists entombed with her to serve her in heaven. Um, <laughs> yeah, nice. Um, so I, what I just think is uh, is is sort of amusing about the concept of the thing. Now, number one, I mean, at this point, uh, you know, if there's a if there's a bank holiday, you know, call it whatever the fuck you want, but fine. But the uh, just the the idea that you know you could you can have it so long as it's in deference. To the um to the sort of the, the great and the good does seem to be a sort of it, it reminds me of something that we talked about sort of many months ago right of um of the British state wanting to deal and the British state again read broadly as its establishment of media people and columnists and mm. um and, and and politicos on the various kinds of parties that are all acceptable right the British state is most comfortable with ameliorating the problems that it creates through uh through through essentially granting uh, privileges through patronage, right? So you, sure. you, you, there, there can be no granting of a bank holiday on the basis of, say, any kind of popular demand for one, but it can be given out as a little, as a scrap, as a present, so long as you're devoting it to thanking the queen for all of what she does, which is too long to list. It's the Soviet Union, but shit inexpensive. If you please Stalin well enough, he'll grant you a dacha, you know, in it's Nikola not, it's not even. It's not even Stalin. It's more like Brezhnev has, like, awarded himself the third he- uh, order of Lenin or whatever. <laughs> third hero of the Soviet <laughs> Union. Mm. For services to eyebrows. Yeah, I, yeah. I think it's, um, it's, an, it's an example, I think, of, you know, again, a, uh, it's an example of a place that has... 
It's an example of a place that is running out of ideas, and we've seen very much um, running out. <laughs> don't don't say that about a nation that brought us Tour de Moon. <laughs> oh yeah, the Tour de Moon was fantastic. That really that really stoked some things in me. What's it stoked? Mm. Oh, a fervor for weird fucked up moon guys. Uh huh. Yeah, mostly fucked that. Up moon guys. Yeah. Fucked up moon guys. Yeah, like guys who look like melting models of themselves. Well, yeah, maybe cool. look. Maybe we're not a nation with no ideas. Then uh, maybe we're a nation with a couple of ideas. But in terms of in terms of, of really good ideas, of really awesome ideas. But in terms, I mean, just just looking at the looking looking at this right, like like taking this belated demand for you know people to have you know some more control over the amount of time they have that's not devoted to and again if you're in the kind of job where a bank holiday counts for you which a lot of them aren't right but even that just, just do, do, do a four-day working week but every like every friday that you get off is now queen day yeah that's right uh it's just seeing this seeing that demand sort of chewed up through the, and, and digested by the British establishment and spat back out as its acceptable version, which is, yes, you can have, instead of four extra bank holidays, you get one. You have to thank the Queen for it. does seem a bit galling. Mm. But what if you get to see that ferry do some donuts for the Queen? Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, well, I, I think, yeah. you know, it, it's... It's it's uh, so so many more of the uh, the things we want to do to respond to the world that we live in, which we've mostly made, is just more kinds of fairies doing donuts. Can, just can a- we can we decarbonize the economy to thank the queen? <laughs> that is, I'm hearing that that's what she wants. Absolutely, I think you know what she said that to me. I think at you one know, point, queen she, she, she leaned I down. I love some like, nuclear <laughs> power stations. <laughs> She she yeah, she would love to open them and she definitely will when she's well enough to do that which will be soon and also forever. Yeah, she's going to do that and then like there's going to be some kind of radiation leak and we're going to have a super queen on our hands which we don't want. We don't want that. I don't know, maybe we do. <laughs> Fuck it. Maybe maybe it'll be yeah, you have to thank the super queen with a 7-day weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she runs everything in Britain that needs running by herself. Yeah, it turns out that like thanking the queen is actually her kind of uh, Manchurian candidate activation phrase. <laughs> no one's ever thanked her before, is the thing. No, no. 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 What does she activate? You get knighted, mom. and yeah. all of the type of people who get knighted, she knights them, and they're just like, "About time, bitch." <laughs> That's right. Hey, you know what? God thank the queen. Am I right? That's right. <laughs> God thank our gracious queen. Uh, I, you know what I think we could do? I think we could just. Uh, Fade God thank our gracious queen into the ending theme song. That was what mm. I was hoping for. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Well, we did it. <laughs> we saved the community center. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go home and eat dinner, but uh, thank you, friends.